It is a center for higher learning. It is a place with centuries of secrets in its shadowed halls. This is where you have come to learn the mysteries of the cosmos. Welcome to the Miskatonic University Podcast. Welcome to the Miskatonic University Podcast, Episode 88. This is the podcast dedicated to Call of Cthulhu and other horror and Lovecraft-related role-playing games. I'm Keeper Dan. And for this episode, the majority of it is going to be the live episode that was recorded at Necronomicon 2015 by Murph and Chad. But first, we got together for a short bit to put together a quick crier, and we're going to start things off right there. Miskatonic University Campus Crier. So before we do the live show of Chad and I at Necronomicon, we thought we'd add in a couple of news items uh, so that uh, we don't lose track of them before the next show. And so starting off, we've got just wanted to quick, do a quick update for the Tales of the Caribbean Kickstarter from Golden Goblin Press. They have now reached funding goal with 20 days left. Yay! Yay. Now we're on to the stretch goals. Yeah, the one that I'm looking forward to is actually the last one in there, because I'm a fan of uh, deck plans and blueprints of... There's a collection of uh, ship deck plans for for vessels going from island to island. I love that idea. Cool. Nice. It's gonna uh, another own. Kickstarter that you might want to uh, pay attention to is Lovecraft-esque, which is a game from Josh Fox and Becky Anison over in the UK. And they have actually already funded, I think they funded in really quickly. Um, they're at $9,000 US out of their $6,900 goal. Uh, and they still have 24 days to go. Uh, this is basically a GMless uh, Lovecraftian story game where you all play, everyone in the group plays the same protagonist. Uh, it kind of builds up the horror of um, the individual person, just like a Lovecraftian story does. Uh, it looks really, really interesting. Um, you can also get the um, free download that they have of the bare bones version of the game now on their Kickstarter page. It looks really, really cool. I've read through it. It looks really awesome. I can't wait to play it myself. I'm back in this. And yeah, so Lovecraft-esque, something else to look at. Yeah, I can't wait to play this either. We've got a Sounds cool. We should do an AP if, uh, if yeah, we definitely need to. And I think I can, I'm going to talk to Becky, um, here later, uh, in the week and see if we can't set up a live session for us wow. to play it. Great. Um, cause that was on the table as well. So that would be fantastic. Yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Last show, we made an error of omission by not mentioning the comments of Robert Price at the opening ceremony of Necronomicon 2015. First off, we apologize. In his speech, Robert was generally making the point that some of H.P. Lovecraft's writing foresaw the rise of atheism in response to scientific advancement, and that he also foresaw a reaction against that in the form of religious fervor and extremism. In making this case, he used language that had been taken to be racially charged, if not outright racist and or xenophobic. Niels Hobbs, the director of the conference, along with many other attendees, were deeply offended. Price and his supporters have denied the accusations. The incident cast a shadow over the convention, and it was the subject of many side conversations. As hosts of this podcast, we're owning up to some discomfort about this topic, and in general, about approaching the topic of race, diversity, and inclusion as it relates to gaming and Lovecraft's fiction. But we want to try and take this head on. We want to invite guests who can expand our perspective. We want to start this important conversation and hope that we can go deeper into the controversy of Bob Price's comments and use it as a springboard for topics that we feel it's time to cover. 
So please bear with us as we work behind the scenes to cover these issues in the best possible way. In the meantime, we're going to embed a video of Price's comments, a video of the racism panel at the Necronomicon convention moderated by Niels Hobbs, and we're posting a transcription of what was actually said. So please feel free to, uh, to discuss the topic at length over on the MUP forums. And then before we get into the live show for our Cryptocurium Spotlight, I just wanted to uh, bring to light a couple things that were uh, pointed out for the October edition of the Parcel of Terror. Here's a few hints of what we can expect in this mega-sized blind box parcel. The next in our series of Slasher Magnets is very appropriate for this particular holiday. The Lovecraft Wall Plaque is going to be replaced this month with a special Halloween-themed addition to the series. A collection of Halloween-themed artwork and short stories commissioned from a talented lineup of creators specifically for the October edition of The Parcel of Terror and Candy. So, happy Halloween from Cryptocurium. Thank you for your support. Miskatonic University podcast, episode 86 or 87, we're not really sure. Uh, this is the podcast dedicated to the Call of Cthulhu and other horror and Lovecraft-related role-playing games. I'm Keeper Murph. And I'm Keeper Chad. And we are at Necronomicon 2015, live with a live audience in front of us. That's awesome. I know, it's this good. It's fantastic. We have some other stuff here. It's a, how did this happen? This is Chad's weird notes, I guess. <laughs> well, how did this happen? Yeah, so we don't, we don't know how we snuck in here, but uh, we're, we're going to try to entertain you for about an hour. Normally our shows are not an hour. They go however long we want to go. Usually two and a half hours. And we start at five in the morning and go till whenever we run out of gas. So trying to make this into one hour is going to be very interesting. Yes, indeed. We'll either fall way short or... Have nowhere near enough time. We hope uh, we'll have some questions at the end, and that's how we'll be able to wrap up. Lots and lots of questions. <laughs> but we have a little bit of programming ahead of that. Uh, this episode, we're going to have a history segment with a volunteer Miskatonic University jazz orchestra uh, with some Foley sound effects. It's you guys. <laughs> I'm going to need like half the crowd to do sound effects for this thing. It's very ambitious. And for our main show topic, we're going to go ahead and summon a new mythos entity and answer a few questions at the very end. Yeah. yeah. That's the big idea. That's it. We also are sponsored this show. Yeah. Turns out we're sponsored by Jeff Moeller at Golden Goblin Press. And... <laughs> Just moments ago. This lovely, this lovely bottle of Mount Gay, which he delivered by hand. Whoa. Uh, Jeff Moeller at Golden Goblin Press because oh. on... The 9th. The 9th of Some, September. Oh, yeah, look, September 9th. Yeah. The Kickstarter launches for Tales of the Caribbean from Golden Goblin Press. Yay! There might even be other authors in the audience. What's that? Are there authors in the audience? I have no idea. Anyway. There, is there any authors in the audience? Yes, there, there is. We'll just say yes. We'll just say yes. Sure. <laughs> Indications there are authors yes. in the room. Yeah, and so I guess we're going to do the history, the history segment. Thing, yeah. Oh, boy. From the Miskatonic University Department of History. In the winter scourged boreal forests of North North America, there are legends of famished creatures that crave human flesh. These spirits are said to be giant, greedy, gluttonous things whose hunger cannot be satisfied. They grow to giant proportions, but become ever thinner the more they eat. So thin that if they turn sideways, they appear to disappear. They're gaunt, desiccated, skin pale like that of a corpse, and they give off a stench of foul decay. They are called by many names, but you will know them as Wendigo. The legends are familiar to many First Nation tribes, including the Buffalo people of the Great Lakes. Some Wendigos start out as humans, people perhaps forced to eat human flesh in times of starvation. They become obsessed 
possessed. Over time, the irresistible craving consumes them, even when other food is plentiful. More than legend, these creatures have made their mark on history. Two Wendigo incidents tainted Canada's relations with First Nations. Oh, Chad. In 1878, deep in the wilderness of what became Alberta, a Cree hunter known as Swift Runner sheltered in a winter camp with his wife and six children. It was a brutal winter and a time of starvation for many Cree. When spring came, Swift Runner was found alone at his camp. Mounted police searched the area and found a human skull and bones scattered around. Some of the bones were hollow, stuffed empty of marrow. A child's moccasin had been stuffed inside the skull of Swift Runner's mother, a beading needle still sticking out of the unfinished project. He confessed that the Wendigo had visited him in his dreams, demanding that he haunt and kill and eat the people around him. Finally, he said, there was no Swift Runner, only Wendigo. and then forced one of Swift Runner's young sons to kill his own infant brother, hang him from a lodge pole, and butcher him. One by one, the Wendigo ate each member of the family. Swift Runner was arrested. He was brought to trial at Fort Saskatchewan, where he was convicted and sentenced to be hanged. The execution was nearly botched. The weather was so cold that someone at the fort had burned pieces of the gallows for fuel. Swift Runner told his executioners that it was cruel to make him wait in the bitter cold for his death. He was eventually hanged. It was the first formal execution in Western Canada and an omen of corroding relations. Then in 1907, an elderly Cree man was arrested for murder along with his brother, That man's name was Jack Fiddler, a powerful shaman who was known for his ability to attract woodland animals and cast protective spells. But he was also known as a Wendigo hunter, someone powerful enough to defeat the peckish spirits. Fiddler claimed to have defeated 14 Wendigos in his lifetime. He said that some had been sent by enemy shaman to kill him, but many of the Wendigos he had defeated, including the one he was under trial for killing, had inhabited sick family members who had asked to be killed before they turned. Newspapers across the country covered the case with sensational flourishes about murder and the worship of devils. Fiddler's brother was convicted and executed. Jack Fiddler, the last Wendigo hunter, escaped captivity while awaiting trial and hanged himself by a nearby tree. It was a clash between two systems of justice, each with its own appetites and remedies. In the end, one consumed the other. There is something about this creature that gets under our skin. Cannibalism puts us all back in the food chain, and that's frightening. But this monster, the kind that Swift Runner and Jack Fiddler fought in their own way, isn't the kind that comes looming over the horizon. This monster is always close at hand. This monster comes from the inside. It lurks in the shadows of our own guts, always just a few skipped meals away. Do you think you could defeat it on your own? (laughs) To discuss the perils of addiction to human flesh and other inconveniences, stop by the Unnatural History Honor Society where bold speculation is welcome. All right. (laughs) Thank you.
just want to, I have to mention that I call this Merfaqwa. <laughs> right? Huh? You see it? You see it? It used to be a lot longer. You see it? Settle down now, class. It's time for your next lesson. For our first topic, we are going to, uh, because we assume that because you're at Necronomicon, we've basically got this awesome mythos brain trust in our audience. And so instead of us kind of talking about what we think uh, and, and brainstorming, and it turns out that brainstorm, our brainstorming issues, our brain, brainstorming episodes, have been the most popular, or we have uh, heard through feedback that that's what people like. So we figured we would do a group brainstorm and come up with a mythos entity. Uh, I want to say great, oh wow, that's a lot more, okay. Uh, there is a mic. You there's a mic it. apparently. Yes. Uh, so we are gonna make a mythos entity. We have a sort of like little questionnaire. We'll just go through a little system and see if we can come up with actually something new, something that gamers can use as a, as a big bad or as an inspiration for a scenario or you know, or take it in a different direction entirely. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start by asking for some suggestions, yeah. right? Crowd suggestions. Yeah. All right. Let me get. Let me get the. Are you going to do the? Do you I'll want do, me to do it, or do you want to? I'll do the roving mic. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Happy. Let me write this down there. What are you writing down? I don't know. Oh, write down the. Yeah, write the take notes. That'd be nice. It'd be nice if we knew what the hell we were doing when this yeah. was over. Do you want to ask the questions and then? Sure. And you know, like the. Unpronounceable. Yeah, you know what's going on. <laughs> it's like we haven't done this eight times already. Okay. Uh, All right, so the first thing we want to do is we're going to break down a name. We're going to start with the name first. We're going to do one person to give us an unpronounceable consonant sound. Just something that you can't actually speak out loud, but you can spell. Series of consonants. Uh, Random. NG. Say again? NG. NG. That's a last name of someone I know. Um, so yes, mm. Mm. okay, and next? A syllable with a vowel in it. Syllable with a vowel in it. Anyone. Anyone. Don't hold back. L-O? T-L-O. T-L-O. Slow, okay? That's kind of Aztec, I like that. Uh, and then another syllable with a vowel in it. Y-X? Y-X. So what do we have so far? Look at the locks. Okay, so we've got a name. We're starting with a name first. Uh, then we would need a basic form. So if this is like gas, solid, energy, matter, yeah. etc. Basic form. What do we want to start with? Anyone? Just shout it out. Plasma. Oh, plasma. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. I just knew plasma was going to come up. Okay, so it is pure energy, like middle of the sun, kind of nuclear. Okay. I think, you know... What's that? This is a new one. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> yes or no? No, no. No? no okay. No, no, no. Does it have an alternate form? Okay, an alternate form. Uh, could be an avatar. Could be. Could be. A, say again. A smell. It's its alternate form is a smell. Is a smell. Okay. The smell of what? Kind of smell out of space. I get it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. What okay. is the smell though? Huh? What is the smell? Uh, sure. What is the smell? Cats. It's smell of death. Corpse flower. Or lilac. Of corpse flower. That's actually pretty good, right? Or and lilac. Somebody say lilac. <laughs> corpse yeah, flower and lilac. Corpse flower and lilac. I can see. Nice. This is working out real well. I like it. Okay. Okay. Now we need uh, an existing folklore. So anything that is actually in the world, from angels to uh, let's not go with Wendigo, but something like that. Uh, some creature, uh, cryptozoology. Jackalope. Wait, jackalope? Jackalope. Okay. Jackalope it is. Yeah. Cheetah? Go Kachina. Do we have anything better than jackalope? Huh? Do we have anything better than jackalope? Better than jackalope? Chupacabra. Yeah. Chikina. I, I, I would love to go with the Chikina. I do like that one myself. Yeah? Renounce mine. You renounce what it? I will happily renounce the jackalope for that. I, I feel like there may be a jackalope element coming in here at the end. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, so now we're into themes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Themes. All right. So now, because we are at the Necronomicon, we're hoping we'll get some ideas for Lovecraftian themes or mythos themes, themes of mythos fiction, anything from cosmic horror to, but kind Lack of, of sex. What? <laughs> so you're trying that? not to Lack go that direction sex. with this in front of Lack a lot of, of audience. Sex. But... Very Lovecraftian. Yeah, yes. it is. <laughs> it is. Uh, let's build that in. I like it. Fair enough. So, yeah. so if you've got a, uh, a Kachina cut type theme and you've got something southwestern like Yig, you could put this like in a Kiva, like a secret Kiva amongst the Pueblo Indians, like the Kiva of energy, death energy, which this represents. Hold there. on, you're doing our job for us here. <laughs> I need more information about Kiva though. It, it's like a. Um, a ceremonial chamber amongst the people who are worshipping kachinas that a kachina might have to go through, like there's a kiva of snakes, a kiva of the sun. It's like a test or, or a... Uh, something like that. I'm going on a children with a, a room or a chamber or a place <laughs> yeah. where a godlike entity might have to go through these things to ascend. Okay, okay. Uh, sure. I have listen. I have lack of sex. That's the only one I have right now. Write down Kiva, Kiva. Okay. Yeah. Chambers of Ascension. So that's so we got our dungeon. (laughs) We got our evidence dungeon. What are its goals and drives? Yeah. What is this plasma thing that shows up in the form of a smell when it really wants to become like somehow associated? When it wants to manifest. Say again. To drive jilted lovers to suicide. Ooh. If it's an entity that doesn't need a drive, it could just be that you're going through the kiva. You think you're going in your religion's ascension, and it ends up being just a wrong place that you end up, and it just happens to be sitting there waiting to feed. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I like combining those, if that's all right. And we're gonna take. Uh, this driving jilted lovers to commit suicide, um, I think that maybe there's a kiva that's uh, a kind of... So people go into these kivas, too, or priests? I think it is ceremonial. Okay, so you have uh, lovers who, who become enamored through a spell, through influence of this thing, and uh, they are driven, they become, uh, I guess we'll moving on to like human interaction... They become like Yeah, yeah, as part of part of the religion that exists that they, they become huh? Sure. They have to go in ah so they need to produce an heir or a an avatar or something and so they go into this kiva in order to uh, make that happen. And uh, and what was the rest of your thought there? Well, maybe the, something happens during the procedures that gets into their heads, makes them think they've been jilted, mm-hmm. and drives them to suicide. Yes. And that's the final step of the ceremony. Well, right. Life ends so that life can begin again. So they end up in this kiva, and uh, perhaps the tribe, through legends, is looking for the one couple that doesn't off themselves, that's strong <laughs> enough to overcome the... Well, there's energies of the Kiva. I'm trying to remember what tribe it's called, but there's one that used to have vision quests that, that would go through a cave and whatever methane gases were there, they would lose their... Nice. They would literally go on vision quests because of the lack of oxygen going to nice. their brain. That would certainly fit in with Matthew's thing. Yeah, so the, the stench out of space. If it's a stench out of space, <laughs> yeah. they're going basically on vision quests from this plasma from outer space. Yes. I think these lovers maybe smell, they smell, is it lilacs or was it, is it lilacs? Corpse flower and lilac. I thought it was corpse flowers. Corpse flower and lilacs. Yes, it's corpse flower and lilacs. Lovers smell, the way they're chosen is, the lovers smell lilacs, everyone else smells corpse flower. So, so when they are drawn to the cave, they are chosen. Uh, this is in fact just the smell, it's a sort of pheromone. It's calling it the, the, the couple that it wants. Um, the little secret is it's never going to choose one that uh, that will survive the suicidal path. I think that would actually go into its uh, its attacks as well. It's great, you know, because that would be if you smell lilac, you survive. If you smell corpse flower, you're dead. Right. 
okay, so imagining actually facing this thing in kind of a game way, mm. what kind of harm can this do to humans? Uh, we have the inspiration to off oneself. Does it also manipulate the tribe in other ways, pick, pick priests, that sort of thing? Uh, what, what specific attacks? Either spells or, Maybe you know. different members of the tribe chosen at random will smell either a corpse flower or a lilac, even if they're not participating in this fertility rite. So people get it into their heads that if I smell this, I live. If I smell that, I can die. So these people who are randomly smelling these things are driving themselves crazy, thinking, oh, man, I'm going to die because I smelled corpse flower. So it's a curse. If you smell the corpse flower, you, uh, the legend is that you will die? Yes, but the thing is, they're not necessarily going to die except unless they're doing the fertility rite, but they don't know that. Mm -hmm. They okay. don't know that for sure. So it's a fear It's like attack. an urban legend. Uh -huh. my, my cousin smelled corpse flower and he died. Sure, okay. So they spread that around themselves, and they gradually go crazy thinking, oh, no, I smell this, I'm going to die. Okay, so it's a kind of a sanity attack based on the cultural backdrop that, that is also there. Sure. Uh, I feel like plasma is an effective weapon. Plasma itself. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's core essence there. It could be I think if you smell a corpse flower, you actually get okay. burned by plasma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, you're a burned out shell, is what yeah. it is. So what could cause that, and that'll tell you what the attack might be, or is, are you just ah. dead? Have you committed suicide? Plasma. Yeah. Plasma. Plasma <laughs> might have caused it, plausibly. The corpse it's plausible, right? Yeah. I would love to see you somehow work attract fish into its spell repertoire. Shit. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's set this. Uh, that's, that's, that's a desert piece. You keep casting it and nothing happens, but sometimes you hope. Well, no, I mean, if you're on the right track. If you're on the right track. Yeah. I mean, these vision quests, you're smelling your lilacs or coarse flowers, the, the visions yeah. show a stupid rabbit with horns. Um, uh, <laughs> how would we put fish? Uh, huh? Fish, in the case maybe. Yes. A chack of fish? Even better, it's a mermaid rabbit. Oh, uh, that actually would be pretty creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Come to think of it. Well, when rabbits scream, they sound like children. Yeah. So that would be damn creepy. How do you know that? <laughs> I have it's a child that I have a rabbit. I used to have a rabbit. So, uh, rabbit is in a better place. Yikes. Moving on to this side. I told you not to ask. <laughs> so, are we still plasma or have we changed to some proto weird jackalope fish thing? Well, the thing is not. The thing is, no. As far as what, no. The, the jackalopes are like it's it's minions or it's uh, you know they're creatures. Confused yet? Confu huh? I, I said I'm confused. I'm no, not sure where we're going. I, it's not. It it doesn't become. It isn't a jackalope itself. A jackafish itself. The the jackafish. Let's, let's obviously. Wait, why do I name. have to explain this? <laughs> there you go. The rats in the walls. <laughs> The jackfish are like the rats in the walls. They're there. And then the, the creature is more like uh, the magnamator. Nice. <laughs> so how about, okay, so how are we getting jackfish? Let's see, let's see what Tristan has to say there. Um, like, so you've got plasma, you want plasma in there, you yeah. smell the stuff, and then it's not like a plasma being comes and like mauls you, it's just more of like an internal combustion, a human right. combustion. Right, from the inside. Yeah, <coughs> spontaneous human combustion. And your remains are left looking like a fish -alope? Fishalopes to one side, maybe. I think the point was like you have a vision quest, you can see all sorts of crazy stuff, sure. Exactly. But um, yeah. yeah. In the Kiva, there's a little pool of water, and uh, jackafish show up and destroy you if you Only don't if you smell destroy lilac. yourself. Only if you smell lilac, you see jackafish. Huh? This is getting weird, man. It is getting weird. Did you expect it not to get weird? No, not at all. <laughs> So, uh, should we review? No, no. What, what weaknesses would it have? What witnesses? Weaknesses. Oh, we, yeah. Weaknesses. Weaknesses, yeah. What's, how do you... If you can't smell, you're blame your sense of smell. Huh? Say again. You have to blame your sense of smell. So you either plug your nostrils with wax, yeah. or um, put something like mint or uh, pine needles up there. You can't smell these smells, 
it can't access power to you, you have the chance of capping over the pool with stones. Sure. Yeah, sure. To keep the jackfish away? Well, uh, to do something or other useful before it kills you. <laughs> You might even thatch your nose in with a stone to try sure. to destroy your, your sense. Sure. So as long as you can't smell it, you're safe. Is that what we're saying? It's smell-based. You can't smell it, you're safe. The, the antlers of the jackfish drive the local economy? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, they're traded a lot. Oh, yes, yeah, but it's very dangerous to get them because of the smell. The, 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 the antlers, antlers of the jackfish, yes. Smell of pork uh, slaw. Yes. It's such an odd combination of the antler and the so scales. So wrong, guys, on so many levels. It's very rare. Yes. Very no. Rare. Yeah, we'll be doing shots later to make this make sense, everyone. We need a point of clarification. Is it a jackfish or is it a fish alone? I'm sorry, it's a fish A jackfish just sounds wrong in many different ways. I love how jackfish sounds, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. It's official. Yeah. So uh, the weakness is what's basically if you can't smell it, you're safe, right? Yeah, so you can protect against its smell-based, its kind of pheromone attacks by, yeah, so there are a few shaman in the tribe that don't have noses, right? Yeah. That's how you know. Those are the elders. Now, how does it interact or affect humans in general? Well, we've kind of been that we've already. We've kind of been there. Alright, so let's I do a rundown. You want to do a rundown? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. But go ahead. So its name is Ingliglux. Yeah. Is that close yeah. enough? Sure. Well, it's we're it's unpronounceable. It. Yeah, it's a, I can't do it. Uh, it's basically a plasma-based entity, uh, which incorporate corporal. It shows up. Yeah. As um, corpse flower and lilac smells. Mm -hmm. Randomly. Yeah. So if you smell corpse flower, you're dead because you burn from the inside out and you're. Plasma wise. Yeah, your, mm -hmm. your husk is left looking like a jackalope. No, sorry, fishalope. Mm -hmm. Right? And smelling like and lilacs. Smelling like lilacs. Yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, and it has a tendency to drive jilted lovers to suicide if you smell corpse flower for some reason in the kiva. I don't know, this is going crazy. Um, <laughs> But if you cut your nose off, you're good, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really it? That's the name of the scenario right there. Despite, despite, despite your face. Despite your face. It's <laughs> a little Easter egg clue for... Yeah. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's it, yeah, yeah. I think that's all. Uh, so, yeah. What time do we have? What time Good is it? Good luck using that. 20 uh, 20 of is perfect 20 of, yeah, it's great. for questions. Yeah, so let's so, just do questions real quick because anybody actually has any. Does anybody have questions about uh, that we could answer? we got one question. Sure. I'm, I'm extremely interested in the secret origin of your podcast. How did you guys all connect from such odd places? Uh, we She's answered there. a forum post right. on, uh, on YSDC. Yeah. Yeah, Dan had put out a call for people interested uh, a number of years ago on YSTC after they went behind the paywall, I guess? Or no, right no. Or, no, right before, actually, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, before. It just kind of worked out that way, and that was it. So that's your qualifications? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It Posts on forum about video. games. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a late edition. Yeah, he came in after the fact, uh, after doing a, one of the history segments, and then we, we brought him in full war. I heard about it on News from Nakotas. Which was Chris Lackey and Paul Cthulhu, Paul McLean. What? Oh, I, oh, okay. I'm, I'm really amplified to myself. <laughs> I can hear myself really well. <sighs> yeah. So uh, anyway, I answered. I, I um, heard it on News from Dakota. Said, "Whoa, there's another uh, podcast thing. Maybe I can contribute uh, some little segments." That really was all that I had planned. And so I think around episode four or five, I sent Dan a thing. Oh, it was actually just a comment. It was a, it was a huge email or something. It was, a, it was an audio email, and then, yeah. And I started to do the, uh, talk to Dan and started doing history segments and joined a few months later. So. Also, qualifications is that I answered an email. <laughs> I sent an email. The lesson is answer more emails. <laughs> Never know what you might get looped into on accident. Anything else? No questions? We go in the back. Yes. Run, Chad. 
Hi. Uh, so, first time keeper as of last night. Oh, congratulations. Um, I, had a, I had a question about the haunting because I didn't run it. Good uh, job, or I'm sorry, uh, I'm not sure which one to say. Go ahead. The, like the introductory one that they give you with yeah, yeah. calls, right? Um, so after telling your players there's a there's a haunted house, go. Why would they not immediately just go to the haunted house, right? How do you keep them from doing that? Or oh wow, how many of you immediately go to the haunted house? So uh, we can crowdsource that's this very one too. Because uh, I found it hard to, like, as a player myself, I would be like, all right, let's go to the house. And then being told, well, no, no, you do all this research, and it might drive you crazy, and there's no benefit to it, and then you go to the house anyway, right? But what's the... This is everyone's problem with the haunting, I right. think, right. so... Good. <laughs> it's not my favorite. It's one that I would run later on. Well, it, you know, interestingly enough, I think uh, there's going to be a, a forum, um, you know, panel later this yeah. weekend about best intro introductory adventures. Uh, I happen to know, I hope this is not... Hey! Can I, can I leave the, the hauntings on it? So I just did. <laughs> You're prepared for that, right? Oh, is it a maybe? It's, I, I don't want to give it away. Yeah, okay, anyway. We gave it away. I bet it did. Um, so yeah, it's kind. Of, I, I wouldn't say that everybody says that no, it's, some it's problematic. Like it, but... I happen to believe that it has some problems, and that's one of them. Um, but you know, with any scenario, when you read it and see problems, uh, the the solution is to anticipate. Either do a different one, which you did, or just anticipate the problem and work out a, a creative solution around it. I think you can. There is actually benefit to the research. Um, it's a good intro because it'll give you an idea of what you might have to do in other scenarios in order to succeed. And, and it also does contain... But it is a little cliche at the same time that you have to do this for no apparent reason. Well, I mean, you, should, you should have strong like hook from the yeah. real estate guy. But uh, another thing that it does, and sorry if people here have not read it, but um, one of the things that it does is if you do go straight there, it's got a kind of solution that I won't spoil, but it's got a, uh, an event that happens to you that may give you pause. That, I remember when I first played it, um, that's exactly, my keeper's actually in the audience. Um, that's, that's exactly what happened, is we were like, well, we just gotta go check it out, it's a haunting. And we did, and the thing happened, yeah. and somebody was damaged, and they were like, hmm, maybe we should go back to the library. <laughs> so the last time I ran it, uh, we actually, they did the same exact thing. They showed up too early, and I added a crap load of zombies and made it okay. And then they all died. Yeah. Right. I think sometimes it's natural for people to ask why something is going on. I mean, every good haunted house always has like a, a tragic story behind it or a legend behind it. So I think, you know, just even as, as getting out of the game, as we hear about haunted houses and, and haunted places, it's sort of like, well, what happened there? Or what, you know, what's the background of this place? So I think we bring that sometimes to that scenario. I mean, yeah, can you go right to the house and start messing around in the house? Absolutely. But I think in, in the times that I've run it with, with, with some folks, um, on a couple of different occasions, usually somebody pipes up with, well, there's got to be a story behind this. There's got to be, there's got to be some reason for this stuff happening. And that's when they'll go out and they'll start hitting the library and the hall of records and start asking around with the neighbors. So there's that sort of human element of wanting to know not just what is happening and maybe shutting it down, but why this is happening. Excellent. Good answer. Yep. Other questions? Oh, Tim. Yeah, I was. You guys have been doing the podcast for about almost three years now. Is that correct? Over, Over three years. And I'm just curious um, to what what do you guys think is or what what has surprised you most since you know in that three years of doing the uh, Miskatonic? I'm sorry, the any award winning Miskatonic University <laughs> podcast. The biggest thing for me is actually people showing up to stuff like this. That's yeah. The biggest surprise is interest, and, and, and you know, that's not false modesty. 
It's like it's the truth. Yeah, it surprises us. I mean, we just like to talk about it. Call of Cthulhu and and horror gaming is something I just talk about. I, and I think people who love the game, I think all of you, I, I know many of you, and I know you can do it too, right? You could talk for hours about about Call of Cthulhu and about about mythos things. So it's kind of endless. Um, so we just show up and do that, and it is it, it is surprising how many people at a people really listen. obscene hour of the day. Yes, we do. We do get up early. But uh, yeah, the surprise is the response, you know. Also, I'm going to say this, that it's kind of surprising and a little uncomfortable to end up in a position where uh, one is regarded as, um, I mean, not an expert, but but an authority. Oh, yeah, I got no. And that that feels funny because I'm just floundering like everyone else. Yeah. Um, You know, maybe... The way we talk on the podcast like forces you to talk with some authority, you know, and pull, pull your opinions out and stand behind them. But um, so it surprises me that people regard podcasters' opinion differently than they do anyone else. I agree. That makes sense. Anything else? Anyone else? Dan. Max. Is it about the Is Tremulous in your question? Do you guys plan on releasing any more live plays? Because, no, no, just in general. In general. Because at the beginning, those live plays were really good. I would love to hear you guys play more together as your group. Yeah. There's no plans to stop it. Um, we've had really bad scheduling issues, really, in getting the live plays back together on our end. Really but I, I believe it'll happen. I mean, we have a third part of uh, a three-part uh, mini campaign, I guess, that uh, that we plan to do. But we talk about it a lot, and it doesn't happen. I think the summer months are, have made it more difficult, and yeah. these are going to settle down a little bit in the fall, and then we'll get back to it. But we, we don't plan. We, we haven't meant to stop. Uh, we enjoy them. I think it's actually really. I think all AP's actual plays are interesting to listen to. I can't always listen to all of them, but they're just really instructive because you don't get that opportunity when you're either playing or keeping to sit back Some and... Some of our APs are not instructive. So that's definitely I'm just going to throw that out there now. It's a good lesson of what not to do. <laughs> sure. Well, that's exactly right. You go either way, right? There's a scene on a train that is not what you want to do in a game. You're seen on the train with John, yeah. Would you like to explain now for people who... No. no yes. like, they can go listen to the live Yes, please. Explain. Come on. Nope. Man. Come on. Not happening. Okay. No. So I'll explain. In uh, early actual play, uh, John Hook was running a scenario with Dan and Murph, even before I, I joined. And there was a scene where they're on a train, and Murph... Uh, they're poking around in the luggage compartment and they hear noises and Murph's solution <laughs> was to uh, just start throwing luggage out the window. <laughs> so he's just committing a crime in order to make sure nobody, I don't know, notices him there? I'm not sure what happened. He's mainly trying to mess with John. Yeah, um, but it's become an infamous moment. It was funny, uh, but yeah, so yeah, messed with John really bad, and but I think he handled it pretty well. You guys ended up having breakfast um, Not for real. in the game, in the game, yeah, yeah. Uh, and just get back on the rails, as it were. So anyway, I wasn't going to explain that, but oh well. I did. I know. You're welcome. Okay. Any other questions? Yes. What do you got? Can you Matt. tell us something about cults? Oh, yeah. That's another joke that we're not going to go into right now. It's a reference to a, a episode in which we were to cover cults, and Murph and I got a little uh, tense with one another about the definition of cults, and I don't want to go over the details. No, we will really, not. Really, really don't. But, um, Next question, please. We had... Two minutes after that, we were fine, but then the, the ire and the vitriol I guess it, it was came, on the podcast, yeah. and we didn't realize it was going to No, because we do that all the time, so yeah. we didn't realize it came through as we sounded like we hated each other or something, Yeah, which isn't the case. Yeah. Yeah. The comment, go back to the comment thread on that episode. It's kind of funny. It's frightening. <laughs> uh, anything else? I saw something over here. Wait. Wait. Uh-oh. I'm jumping rope. If you could run a scenario using any 
any character, regardless of copyright issues, who would it be and why? Oh, man. Huh. He's not a scenario using using a character as an NPC or a, or yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fun. It's a fun question, but it's overwhelming. Um, There's too many options. Um, has anybody has anybody read uh, Pigeons from Hell by Robert E. Howard? I can't remember the characters' names, but I think I would love to have a scenario that's just completely based in that world, using those trappings and using those characters maybe as NPCs, maybe as a follow-up. I love that story so much, huh? Would you have a Zubemi? Yes, exactly. Yes. Zuvembi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which became a comic book thing after, oh, after a while, yeah. I think in one of the Robert E. Howard comic books. Zuvembi's, whatever that is. I honestly, I cannot think of anything. Yeah. It's too many options. It's um, the options over. I mean, that's not necessarily my top pick. It just springs to mind, but I love that story. Let's narrow it down to the villains, then. Villains? Hmm. Villains? Like, who's a villain, really? They're all victims in Lovecraft. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> There's not... Yeah, there's... Nobody asks a villain. I don't know. I don't know. A villain. It's just... It's kind of a victim villain. as well, though, isn't he? Yeah, kind of. Kerwin. Yeah. Um, he's been used tangentially. I'm sure. Um... As yeah. Look, I, I, I'm drawing a blank on uh, villains. Kazai yeah, is great. Kazai is also to bring used. In, though, Sorry? It's from outside to bring in, so... Outside of the, of the mythos, you mean? Yeah, any literary... So any uh, Um... Boo Radley would be a great villain. <laughs> <laughs> right? Boo Radley? Who's with me? Come on. <laughs> what is he, he beat him with a swing? Or? Yeah. <laughs> um... um there's a lot of ums in this. I know, sorry. We'll, we'll edit that all out and this will sound super smooth. Probably not. <laughs> no, because we're editing it this time. Dan doesn't edit this one, so what you hear is what you get. <laughs> well, what about you? Do you have a villain that you would use that springs to mind? Uh-oh. See, we turned it on you. Now you're at a loss. Villain um. My favorite villain ever would have to be we're not on a time or anything, it's okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's project. I'm not texting. My favorite villain would have to be Khan Nundian Singh from Star Trek Universe. Oh, okay. Yes. Nice. Yes, yeah. he is awesome. To be used in a scenario? Yes. Ah, I like it. Uh, yes. Are you on our forum? No. Get on our forum and tell us how you would do that. Okay, I will. Yeah, please. They need all the free labor they can get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they'll cut this part out. Yeah. yeah. No, be quiet. <laughs> Copyright issues. Would Doctor Doom be a great example? Doctor Doom would be because great. he mixes magic and science together. Sure. Isn't that Lovecraft's bag anyway? Mm-hmm. Sure. So he's just missing tentacles and he's good to go. But yeah. copyright yeah, issues sure. out copyright the window. I mean. Copyright issues out the way. There you go. Why not use Gozer? Sure. The Ghostbusters. Yeah. See how your players handle that. It's almost too easy, though. Really. No, I'm just running all over the state of the market. Yeah. Um, I, a question I wanted to ask. Um, what do we have? Like ten? I don't know. I don't have a watch. So someone else on the phone. Um, we would. We really do. It's not that we're out of ideas for topics, but we would love to get more ideas for topics because we find that the listener feedback topics are the best ones, the ones we wouldn't have thought of, the ones that take us in different directions. Does anybody have a topic in mind right now that we could put on record that you would be interested in us talking about? Con men, con men dealing with the Lovecraft mythos. They're trying to run a heist or a con or a grift or anything like that, and then that just sort of happens, and now they have to use their skills of conning people, in this case cultists or whatnot. As players? Yeah. Okay, cool. That's interesting. Using con men in a... In a... Well, the 1920s and 30s were full of sure. that. That's the reason why nowadays we have ID theft protection and fraud and all these kind of things is because it was so rampant in that exact same time period. So I'm honestly surprised those two haven't mixed yet. I like the idea. I could talk about that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? I got one. 
Okay, you're right here. Sorry, I'll get to you. New technologies that might make it easier to recreate ancient horrors. Uh -huh. okay. There was a, a book published recently called Red Equinox, and the horror in that, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it was done in a really unique way using 3D printing technology. Cool. To so recreate cutting-edge cutting technology. To recreate outdated sure. uh, modes of creation. I like it. Yeah. What's, could you name the book again or spell it out? Red it? Equinox. Red Equinox, okay. Yes. Excellent book. Easier than I thought. Okay. Uh, cool. Perhaps maybe the idea of um, location as character. Um, so many locations have so many characteristics. Almost, they can almost be like NPCs that your characters interact with. So maybe the idea of how not just the monster or the, or the actual like, named NPCs, but the actual location where the scenario or story takes place becomes like a character of, uh, uh, that, you can, that you can interact with. Yeah, I love that. That sounds great. Uh, yes, please. There's a, a couple of scenarios or various books or even role-playing games where you play as the cultists. Kind of what ideas you might have around that, what would work, what didn't. I know we've looked at it a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, I know. And there's also... And there's one uh, Magnus has his Swedish cult game as well, which he's working on translating for us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's one that you've brought to our attention and there's uh, Dark Mirror as well. How many people have actually played those things? What worked, what didn't? What ideas would you have? To be fair, us is the answer to most of those, Tristan. I don't know many more, unfortunately. Especially the, the Swedish cult game, which is fantastic. Yeah. How would you define a Swedish cult? No, no, no. We're not getting into cults, okay? <laughs> the, the game is called The Swedish Cults. Oh, okay. um, and it's set in the universe of Swedish Lovecraftian author Anders Fager. Mm. So uh, it's really good stuff. Yeah, they but it's all in Swedish. Yeah, they basically just took his writings and made it into a role-playing game. And was it all like licensed, cool, and everything? Like the guy was behind it. The yeah, yeah. Let's just make an English version. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yes. Oh, and that's what you're doing. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, excellent. I think we're sort of out of time. If anybody, if anybody has other ones. Yeah? Okay, oh, great, great. <laughs> Hi! So, three, two, one. We're ready to wrap up. Um, but if you have other ones, if you think of other ones, please get them to us. You know, find us, button, hole us, and, and we have one show, so we're going to just read that now. Yeah, you, you get to see this happen live. That's And we have a lot of different ways that you can reach out to us. Our main contact email address is feedback at mu-podcast.com. We also have a Twitter account at mu underscore podcast. And you can join our RC channel on the feedback page of the website. We have a Providence, Rhode Island voicemail number. That's 401-400-MUP. That's 401-400-0687. Or you can use our SpeakPipe link located on the website. Ask a question, leave us a liner, say who you are, and I'm enrolled at the Miskatonic University podcast. And we'd love to get a hearty GoPods for our home team, the Fighting Cephalopods. Our website is mu-podcast.com, and you can find our show notes for this episode at mu-podcast.com slash 86 or maybe 87. It's possibly even 88, but those would be the number 86, 87, or something else. Our forums are at mu-podcast.com slash campus. Got it? <laughs> Come join the community and be a part of the conversations. Uh, thank you to our patrons and for everyone who showed up to this when you didn't have to. And this line I've never been able to read before. Yeah, this is his first so time. So I'm super he's, excited. He's... Super excited. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Class is dismissed. Oh, yeah. Should we do a go pods? Yeah. One, two, three, go. The Call of Cthulhu role-playing game is property of Chaosium, Inc. The written works of H.P. Lovecraft are held in the United States public domain. All other works mentioned in this podcast are the property of their respective owners. 
Original content of this show is copyright of the Miskatonic University podcast under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share-alike license. Yeah, and so I guess we're going to do the history the segment. History yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. So, I'm going to need, uh, I think, six volunteers for sound effects. So, And I have absolutely no idea what is going on here. So. You are a volunteer. <laughs> I am completely in the dark on this one. You will be our first volunteer, and you can... Actually, I think it would be best so if you stand... We put that yeah right in front of you, and you know the deal on that one. Yeah, yeah, you. And please, yes. come on up. Awesome. I will give you a frog. <coughs> I know this thing. Do you? Yes. Okay. So you I have know, one. You know it strikes in one direction. Yep. Best, right? Yep. So, yes. And uh, for this one, kind of a fast. Perfect. It's kind of a bracketing. No problem. Uh, next, somebody else. Come on up. And you get the clacker. Oh, cool. Oh, awesome. And you, if you would sit here, actually, uh, I will cue you. If no, that's... he knows me. He's one I'll sit over there. Uh, okay. <laughs> I see. I'll keep my hands to myself. Now. So uh, you guys are kind of a pair. You'll, it's sort of call and, call and response. So when I touch you on the shoulder. Great. Excellent. Okay. And uh, anybody ever played a musical saw before? <laughs> have you? Have you? Would you? <laughs> I thought you might have. That might be a story in its own. There's no bow. Why are this you? Is a... He's from Maine, everyone. It explains everything. No, it's like, why are you ashamed? That is something to be proud of. No one else here can do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but you play it with a wooden spoon. <laughs> Ever done that before? <laughs> so, you know the S-curve deal? It's like, yeah, like that, right? Yeah, exactly. And so you can put it between your knees if that works. No, so this is just a striker. Uh, on the bigger. Yeah. So make an S. This might have been ambitious. Do you, do you want a shorter... Uh... That's, that's the one, my friend. There we go. Yeah. All right. Give me good bends, like yeah, just like that. Um, when I touch you on the shoulder, give me about six of those, six okay. strikes, and you'll be you'll come up a few times. Uh, so I need someone else. Is that on this side, Corey? Sure. Have you been in the orchestra before? Uh, is this your second time in the orchestra? Yeah. All right. So um, you are the creepy noose instrument. <laughs> um, I think the best, the way this is going to work best is for you to actually strike the table. Okay. So, okay. Just like, There's no risk involved there. Oh, okay. Cool. You get one of the chairs. Why? Why? Because it's otherwise, it's really quiet. Okay. And just. Nope, that, that's, that didn't work. Um, let's double it up. And you're just basically going to. Flop down on the table this way. All right, I that's the sound. That's it. That's it. Oh, you're right, you're right. <laughs> don't hit. All right, another volunteer, Sorry. please. He'll get really mad. Yeah. I don't know. Another volunteer. Uh, in the yes, please, Brian, come on up. Make sure I have yours. Uh oh. Don't tell me. Stroke your toe. <laughs> you, uh, you didn't want any help earlier, I just want to reinforce that. I'm leaving I know, right? So, did, did you lose two then, Chad? Well, it was nice being up here then. Yeah. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Don't, don't, don't go away. It's a damn thing. You're gonna be, uh, you're gonna be an important one. Oh, wow. You get this one here. You ever okay. seen one of these? No. What is okay. It? How do you do? So if you just do a little shake, just. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, that's your sound. Um, let's put you a little bit forward. Okay. Um, yeah. So when I touch you on the shoulder, give me about two of those. Give me. Actually, if you do it less, uh, less energy, it's. 
it kind of builds. Usually more. Perfect. When I touch you on on the shoulder, you'll do two of those each time. Two of them each time. Huh? How many miles? Uh, just one. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, man. Oh, no way. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I need another volunteer. Yay. Yeah. Please. <laughs> and. Uh, so when I touch you on the shoulder, this little thing makes a sound like. So give me about three of these when I touch on the shoulder. Yeah. Neither of those are on this. I wasn't allowed to know. Really? I know I didn't want to move. Yeah, the poly work is great. Great. So about three of those when I touch you on the shoulder. You'll have two of those. Uh, you'll also have two. And let's just do this. Do it. All right. You want the mic, Chad? I brought my script. Hope I did. We're freelance. Yes. Okay. Brilliant. It's going to take me a little bit of setup. We're gonna edit this down, so it's gonna be really tight when you hear it on the podcast. There's gonna be big gaps and pauses. No, you're ruining the illusion. (laughs) (laughs) Part of the illusion, so. Um, Yeah. Do you wanna pause? Let's let's give it just a second and let Bob get in. These are the rest of the assholes. (laughs) It's It's the actual name. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. (laughs) <laughs> like you made that thinking, oh, no one will ever left. Hey, do you want the live mic for yours? Yeah, yeah, I do. But you're going to need to be here. Yeah. Okay. I think actually what I'm going to do is pull this back a little bit and just project into it. You go for it. Yeah? So go ahead and stand. Just get your shoulders in there. Perfect. Good. Cool. You ready? Are we ready? Are you ready? Uh, I think I'm, I might have to hunt for Are you sure? Yeah. All right. You're going to get one shot at this, and then we're going to stop. Yeah. There might be multiple takes, man. It's, you know, movie magic. There's not. All right. Ready? Sure. Uh, It's real.